Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. It's on Christ as our propitiation place that God can dispense himself as grace into us for his glory, for his expression, and for the manifestation of his righteousness. Welcome once again to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and taken from the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. In 1974, Witness Lee began the life study of the Bible and continued book by book until its completion in 1995. We're happy to bring you these programs with excerpts of these classic spoken messages. And once again today, we are in Romans, and our life study brings us to one of the pillars of the Christian faith, the matter of justification. And Ed Marks has joined us again to fellowship about one of these very major topics in this book that is rich with many of the great Christian truths. Thanks for joining us again, Ed. Well, it's a pleasure to be back to talk about the revelation of the gospel of God's complete salvation in the wonderful book of Romans. Ed, most Christians are aware of the famous doctrine of justification by faith. And of course, Martin Luther was very much used by the Lord to recover this marvelous truth of our faith. Would you give us a quick background of the role that Luther played in the Lord's move? Yes, Martin Luther was used by the Lord to recover the great truth of justification by faith in the 16th century. By the time of the 16th century, the church had become fully degraded. If we look in the New Testament, even in the epistles of Paul, especially his epistles to Timothy, and if we look at Revelation 2 and 3, we can see that by the time the apostles were about to depart this earth, the church was beginning to become degraded. And through the centuries, the church became degraded to such an extent that there was no Bible available to the common man. Secular historians call this period of history the Dark Ages. And the reason why it was so dark is because there was no Bible. So by the 16th century, all the truths that the apostles had passed on to the church had become lost in revelation and experience. So the Lord began in the 16th century with Martin Luther to recover the foundational truth and the great truth of justification by faith. Luther was teaching at the University of Wittenberg, and he came to this verse, Romans 1.17, which says, The just shall live by faith. And that was a light, I would say, beyond the brightness of the sun that flashed into his being. And he realized, as someone who was a monk in the Catholic Church, that he couldn't please God or be approved by God by his penance, by his good works, by his asceticism. He could only please God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a great truth that changed the course of human history, and we thank the Lord for how he used Martin Luther to recover this great truth. 
We're going to see this truth, Ed, unfolded in a very fresh way. So even to our listeners who feel very comfortable and familiar with this wonderful doctrine and truth, I think there's much in store for them if they'll stay with us. Let's join Witness Lee for this life study. To be justified, our justification is that the righteousness of God is manifested. First of all, you all have to know in justification, the righteousness of God is manifested or is revealed. The righteousness of God has been there already, but it has not been manifested. It has not been revealed until one day you would believe in Jesus and you would call on his name. The righteousness of God is revealed to you. And this revealing is just a kind of manifestation. God's righteousness is revealed to you, is manifested to you, at the very moment when you believe in the Lord Jesus and call on his name. Doctrinally speaking, the righteousness of God has been manifested already when Jesus accomplished his redemption. But according to experience, it is when you believe in the Lord Jesus. And when you call on his name, the righteousness of God is revealed to you at that time. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Out of faith unto faith. The righteousness of God has been manifested without love. It has nothing to do with the love. Without the law, never mix up the righteousness of God with the law. You have to keep the righteousness of God away from the law. God's righteousness has nothing to do with the law. If you go to the law, you could never obtain God's righteousness. The law, as far as God's righteousness goes, is over. That was the old dispensation. Now, without the law, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's manifested by faith of Jesus Christ. You know, our real believing is to believe in Jesus by his faith. We don't have any faith. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Faith is just Jesus. You have a verse in Galatians 2 that says, the life that I live today is by the faith of the Son of God. I live a life not by my own faith. I don't have any faith. But by the faith of 
the son of the living God. He has the face, and even he himself is the face to me. If you take yourself, you can never find face. But if you would forget about yourself and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you. Right away, you have something within you believing. That is the faith of Jesus. That is Jesus within you believing. And the righteousness of God is a significant thought in the book of Romans. But just the phrase, God's righteousness, probably gives rise to a natural concept that really misses the point of his righteousness as it's revealed in this gospel. What does it mean that the manifestation of God's righteousness has nothing to do with the law? Yes, uh, just as a help to our listeners, this truth is seen in Romans chapter 3, verses 20 through 22. Verse 20 tells us that no flesh can be justified by the works of the law. So no matter how much we try to please God by doing good deeds, uh, by doing the works of the law, we cannot be justified by the works of the law. And what does it mean to be justified? To be justified means to be approved by God according to his standard of righteousness. There's nothing we can do in ourselves to be approved by God according to his most high standard of righteousness. In fact, Isaiah tells us that our righteousness is like filthy rags. So how can we be approved by God? Well, Romans 3, 21 and 22 tells us that the righteousness of God is manifested to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Now, when we believe in Jesus Christ, he becomes our righteousness. We need to thank the Lord every day that Christ is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us this. Romans 3.22 has this marvelous phrase, through the faith of Jesus Christ. Now what this means is that our faith is Christ's faith. When we believed in him, this was the faith of Jesus Christ. He's not only our righteousness, he's our faith. How did Christ become our faith? Well, Hebrews 12.2 tells us that when we looked away to Jesus, he became the author of our faith. That means when we say, Lord Jesus, I love you and I believe in you, we look away to him and he infuses us with himself to become our believing element, to actually believe for us. This is a marvelous truth. This shows us that we believe in the Lord Jesus by his faith and by him as our faith. When we look away to him, he begets faith in us. He becomes the author of our faith. He generates faith within us. And as a result, we receive him as our God-given righteousness so that we can be approved by God, which has nothing to do with the works of the law. In our experience, I would say, we need to continually look away from ourselves and look away to Jesus so he can infuse himself into us to become our believing ability so that we can enjoy Christ as our righteousness. Thank you, Ed. Let's go back to Witness Lee. If you read the New Testament clearly and carefully, you could see that there's a difference between 
propitiation and reconciliation. Propitiation means I do have a problem with you because I wronged you and now I'm owing you something and you have some kind of demand on me. Unless your demand will be satisfied, the problem between me and you could never be solved. And to solve the problem is to propitiate. You may use another word to explain it, that is to appease. If the other party is going to appease the situation, the other party has to do something to satisfy the demand of the offended party, that the two could be at one. And this problem is not that serious as the problem of one's enemy. If I am your enemy, propitiation is not so adequate. When we were enemies of God, we needed reconciliation. When we were enemies, there was a kind of enmity between us and God. This enmity needed not only propitiation, but also a reconciliation. Before we got saved, we were not only sinners in the eyes of God, but also we were enemies to God. As sinners, we needed propitiation. As enemies, what we needed? Right. Propitiation is for sins. Reconciliation is both for our sins and for our enmity. Then what is the difference between <coughs> propitiation and redemption? To redeem means something that belonged to you originally, got lost. So you have to repossess it at a cost. You know, we were originally belonging to God. We all got lost. So he had to do something to get us back, to repossess us at a great cost to him. This is redemption. Our being lost caused some problems between us and God regarding his holiness, righteousness, and glory. God's holiness demands on us. God's righteousness demands on us. God's glory demands on us. Could we fulfill all these demands? Impossible. So God came to pay for us, to repossess us. And this is what? This is redemption. Yeah, this redemption. Redemption is just to get you back at a cost. Then how about propitiation? Well, 
Propitiation doesn't mean to repossess. Doesn't mean to repossess. It only means that we do have some problems with God. What is the problem that keeps God from us, that causes us not to have direct fellowship with God? Nothing but our sin. So we need a propitiation. We need an action to appease our situation with God. And Christ did it on the cross. Ed, in the context of justification, there are a lot of spiritual and doctrinal terms that are introduced and developed in Romans. Over the weeks ahead, we will touch many of them. And some of them appear in this first section today. Would you give a brief overview of these again for us? And specifically, I'm referring to propitiation, redemption, and reconciliation. Let's begin with propitiation. Uh, The word propitiate means to appease or to reconcile one person by satisfying the demands of the other. Propitiation implies that there's a problem between two parties. The demand of the one party must be satisfied for the problem to be resolved. Well, we had a great problem of sin. Uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Because we're sinners, our penalty should be death. And those wages needed to be paid. Well, praise the Lord on the cross. Christ died for us and he paid the debt of sin. As a result, he became our propitiation. For him to be our propitiation, and this is mentioned in 1 John 2, 2 and 4, 10, means he is our propitiatory sacrifice. Through his death on the cross, he appeased God. He conciliated God. He satisfied God's demands. He died in our stead. And as a result, he brought us into oneness with God. This is what propitiation means. Now, the word redemption means to purchase back something which originally was yours, but which had become lost. Well, we were originally gods, but we became lost in sin, in death, and we were captured by Satan. But we need to praise the Lord that Christ died on the cross, and he repossessed us, he redeemed us. Acts 20, 28 tells us that God purchased the church with his own blood. And 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 tells us that we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. His blood was the tremendous cost that he paid to possess us. Now, reconciliation, this word implies that not only did we have the problem of sin, but there was also enmity between us and God. We were God's enemies. Well, because of Christ's death on the cross, he paid the debt of sin. He canceled the enmity between us and God. And now we are no longer enemies of God, but we are friends of God and we are brothers of Christ. We need to praise the Lord that we have been reconciled to God and we are his friends and we are Christ's brothers. These three terms are all related to the great truth of justification by faith. 
Thank you, Ed. So often we hear those terms, and that's all they seem to be to us is just terms. But when we get into them, there's a wonderful treasure in all of these terms, really unveiling uh, the wonder of the work that Christ accomplished on our behalf. Let's join Witness Lee for more of this life study. As to God's law, we all have broken that law. We all have sinned, and we all have come short of God's glory. Paul mentions the glory of God, the picture of the whole art was in front of him. And upon the propitiation cover were the two cherubim, representing God's glory, observing. Underneath the cover, something exposing, condemning. Above the covering, something watching, observing. Both are requirements of God. The requirements of God's righteousness according to the law. Some are the requirements of God's glory according to the expression of God. Unless all these requirements are fulfilled and God is satisfied, there is no way for the sinners to contact God and there is no way for God to communicate with the sinners. But hallelujah. Now there is the atoning blood the atoning blood is sprinkled upon the cover. And this uh, meets the requirements of the righteous law. And this also meets the requirements of God's glory. So there's no problem. Amen. So there is a place which is called propitiation. Propitiation is a place. It is not just an action. The action becomes a place for God to meet with men. It is a place. The propitiation is a place. Could you see this? And eventually Paul was so bold under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say that this place is Jesus. God set forth Jesus as the propitiation cover. And the propitiation cover is just the propitiation as a place for God to meet man. And this place today is Jesus the Lord, this person. I am afraid many Christians that love the Lord Jesus, they know that the Lord Jesus is so many items, but they never got to know that the Lord Jesus is a propitiation place where God can meet us and where we can touch God. Before this, we were scared away. But now, we are not afraid of God. Amen. 
upon Jesus. Amen. Upon Jesus. On Jesus. Jesus as the propitiation place. Amen. Upon him. On him. We can just touch God. Amen. Oh, Amen. oh God, I love you. Amen. How good you are. I love you. Amen. Well, this is the meaning of Paul's writing. He used the type of the ark with its cover to show us the proper meaning of justification. Ed, let me ask you a question about propitiation. We've seen that propitiation has to do with two things. Number one, meeting God's righteous requirements. And number two, satisfying God's glory. But I was especially intrigued by seeing propitiation not just as an action, but as a place. Tell us about this, Ed. Yes, this is an absolutely marvelous revelation. And again, we see this revelation in Romans 3, 21 through 25. When Paul wrote these verses, he had the picture of the ark in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle before him. The ark had a lid, and this lid on the ark is called the propitiation place or the propitiation cover. Inside the ark was the law of God, testifying of God's righteousness. Upon the lid of ark were the cherubim, which signify God's glory. Well, in these verses, all of these terms are mentioned, the righteousness of God, the glory of God, and the propitiation place is mentioned in these verses. And what we see in Romans 3.25 is that Christ himself, the person, is our propitiation place. Now, in the Old Testament, the propitiation place, which is the lid of the ark, this is where God met with his people. This is where man could contact God, fellowship with God, touch God, and allow God to infuse himself into his being. Well, we need to see that in the New Testament, Christ is our propitiation place. When we believed into Christ, we not only got put into him, we got put upon him. We are upon Christ as our propitiation place. That means under him, the law is covered. It is silence. It can no longer speak against us. And above him is the glory of God. The glory of God is fully satisfied by Christ as our propitiation place. We need to realize that day by day, when we pray to the Lord, when we enjoy him in prayer, in fellowship with him in the word, we are meeting with God on him as our propitiation place. It is on this place, on this wonderful person, that we can meet with God, we can contact God, we can touch God, we can fellowship with God with no condemnation and no problem, and enjoy God as everything to us. Yet as believers, we appreciate and enjoy Christ in many aspects, but today I appreciate very much He's also our place to meet with God. Thank you for your fellowship. We will be back for another life study in Romans, and we look very much forward to having you join us then. Thank you kindly for listening. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this program. 
For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.